0: treason news everyone pop culture politics and a sprinkle of treason oh boy I'm sleepy and I'm joined today by Meredith hello hello how are you doing
1: I'm doing well uh (laughs) I'm a little I'm a little sleepy a little hungover uh but my heart is full of holiday cheer
0: Oh, my God. I love that you're starting things out on a positive note. Um,
1: Well, well, how could I not? I saw a holiday themed aerial burlesque show that involved a fantastic dreidel performance like (laughs) it was a sexy dreidel strip cheese.
0: I'm so, it warms my heart to see our Jewish brothers and sisters included at this time of year, because I feel like they really do get left out culturally speaking. Like whenever there's a melody of holiday songs, they'll throw in like the dreidel song and it's like, that's all you get, you know? So Mm -hmm. at a burlesque show, a holiday themed burlesque show, it warms my heart that they were included in the festivities.
1: Oh yes. We had, uh, there was, we, we got the dreidel. I mean, it was incredible. She was amazing on the silks. And wow. Then also, uh, and then there was a drag queen that performed a very strange Feliz Navidad version. Uh, but, you know, it was great.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love that you did that. So I was out very late. And then I was – this is, like, kind of embarrassing to say, but I'm just going to keep it real on this show – I was so excited I couldn't sleep when I got home. I saw Spider-Man, everybody. Um no spoilers, don't worry because I feel like that would be so fucked up at this point because it just came out. It, you know, like, it has- you went on opening night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I know Meredith hasn't seen it, so obviously I'm not going to say any any spoilers. Like truly I'm barely going to talk about it um apart from saying I loved it. It's maybe top five Marvel films for me. Truly, um, I was having you know when you have a really really good time at the movies where you consciously you almost like disassociate for a second and you consciously think I'm having such a good time. That yeah. happened like five times during Spider Man: no Way Home. Like. It's so funny. I cried a bunch of times and I saw it with a bunch of nerds, and it just reminded me like, I love nerds so much. And my theater made it the best experience because it was just like unbridled joy. I mean, like, scream cheering multiple times. I probably didn't hear 5% of the dialogue (laughs) because people were screaming so much, but in the best possible way. Um, so if you're triple vaxxed, if you feel safe doing so, I know like Omicron is very scary right now. We're going to talk about that in the bad news section, obviously, but if you feel safe doing so, I think it's definitely one of those like must see with a crowd theater going experiences. And that's all I'll say, everybody. And maybe I'll do a bonus episode with Charles because I think he's doing it, uh, watching it tonight. And uh, I want to be mindful of spoilers because, uh, listen, I know, like, if you follow the culture in any way, the spoilers have been out for, like, a year. We all know what's going to happen in this film. But I still don't want to, like, say it on the off chance that you have been successfully avoiding them. Like, God, good on you. Especially if you're on Twitter. It's like, how?
1: Yeah. And I, uh, I'm, I, I'm aware. But, yes, I don't want spoilers because I am actually kind of excited to see this
0: one. <gasps> So do you want to record the episode with me? Uh, uh, I may we'll just, do like a bonus?
1: Uh, Sure, but only if I can get to see it in time. I have to actually figure out who's going to go with me because I'm not going to go see Spider-Man alone.
0: I did that. Hey, I did that.
1: Hey, well, <laughs> you know what? That's fine for you. But this, like the movie going culture here is a little bit different. There's no place that is going to be full of hooting and hollering. So I need to have sure. a partner with me.
0: Sure. Yeah. I, Oh man, I've seen some people on Twitter talk about how that was their experience, like watching that movie to silence. And I'm just like, what kind of joyless community do you live in where nobody responded? I mean, like to tell you how, how much this film got to people, there was a tweet that went viral of someone who saw it in the UK and was like, I saw it with a British audience that was screaming and cheering. And I, I need you to know that British people don't do that.
1: No, not unless they're at a soccer game.
0: Yeah, yeah, Like, watching any Marvel movie. So, the fact, like, I think this film got a bigger reaction than Endgame. For me, when I saw it. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Endgame was nuts. But this was, like, another level for reasons I can't tell you. Um, But, yeah, it it doesn't matter when you see it, because it'll be a bonus. But we can talk about it whenever. Um, I also have to say... I've been going to a lot of movies on my own. I really like it. Yeah,
1: I like going to <laughs> movies by myself. I'm not dissing this, this experience. concept. Just yeah. uh, just that I wish to, uh, like, you know, I want to, if I'm going to go to the big ones, I want to see them with my people. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. You know what it is? I see so many movies that it's just easier to go on my own because, like, coordinating with a bunch of people is always a fucking nightmare. You know, like going around people's work schedules and I like doing it occasionally, but if I had to do it every time I see a movie, it would oh, be like yeah, I- impossible, you know? Cause I go like multiple times a week. Um, so that's all I'll say about Spider-Man tweet me, get at me. If you've seen it and you want to talk about details, but I'm not going to say anything specifically this episode, but I think it's been long enough, Meredith, where we can talk about my other recommendation, which is succession. Oh, yes.
1: We should talk about
0: that. So I know I've recommended it before on the show probably multiple times, but I specifically wanted to talk about the finale because the finale just happened. Uh, Holy fucking shit. Was it good? Uh, As it always is good. But this was like, I don't know. It was so satisfying for me. Uh, Really next level stuff. And this is all... Taking into consideration, I saw this critique of Succession and I thought about it for a second. And it's true. And at first it sounds like a slight, but it's really not. Succession is so good and nothing happens.
1: Yeah, they reset every... Every
0: time. Yeah. Like they have this, the kids, the Roy children, have the same goal every season, which is... Oh, I guess we should say up top, spoilers, obviously. We're going to talk about the finale. So if you don't want to hear those spoilers, skip ahead to the music queue. Every season, the Roy children have the same goal, which is overthrowing their father.
1: <laughs> yes, and every single time they are, they are not able to pull it off, and they and try. It again. seems
0: like it always seems like they might, and we, the audience, fall for it along with the Roy children, thinking it's actually going to happen. And then Logan always, always, always wins because that's what he fucking does. Mm-hmm. Because he's the most ruthless person who will do absolutely anything to win. And the kids, and they're all all individually, and they're all own small ways, have a degree of morality that prevents them from fully cutting the throat of their father, whereas he will throw them to the wolves, no problem.
1: And yes, and that is the fact that they always get sucked in by his sociopathic tendencies and his uh, love of playing them off each other. They are always sucked in just enough that they don't trust the plan that might actually work. like. The the mm. show is just constant counterfactuals like you can't mm. there's you can't actually imagine a, a situation where they would actually succeed because they're constantly failing. But also you keep wishing they would find a way. And this, ta- you know, but they're so they're all such terrible people that they end up creating the circumstances and the conditions by which they're. Undermined, And that's what really did it. Like, that's why I thought this finale was so powerful compared to the others, the other two, because the, the the main betrayal has been in plain sight all season and it still hits like a freight train.
0: Yeah. And that really is a credit to the writing, because as we said, it's the same pattern every single time. Uh, It's the Charlie Brown football moment where you you think it's going to happen and they pull the football away at the last second. We land flat on our asses and we're still like, that was amazing every single time because the execution is so good. I mean, this finale, the reveal of, you know, Kendall telling them that he fucking killed the waiter or at least, you know, was could have done more to intervene, you know, Mm -hmm. like didn't fully kill him maybe but like was there and did not call people for help walked away um it did a bad thing and it was really creepy seeing roman try to justify it yeah where it was like oh this is what rich kids do mm-hmm. this is what they do because they've been taught that like they are better and like a non-essential person died so it doesn't matter basically. i
1: know it's a, it was extremely <laughs> chappaquiddick his like yes. i mean it's okay right like Oh, yeah. it was wild.
0: And weirdly, though, because, again, the writing's so good, I don't want to say heartwarming, but in that moment, it's sort of like a brother trying to take care of his brother. Yeah, absolutely. And in his own weird, fucked-up way, because, like, the Roy children can't express affection for each other or anyone, so it's so painful because that is Roman's version of love, and it's him trying to justify... <laughs> Ken killing someone. it's like, it's okay, man.
1: It's okay. Like, you know, he's like, and I didn't get a, you know, I was waiting for 45 minutes for a gin and tonic. I was like, oh my God. Oh, and he's
0: being, and that is like, if I had to boil down succession and why it works into one moment, it's the moment where Jeremy Strong is doing his fucking Shakespearean most. And he's incredible in that scene. But like, again, Jeremy Strong thinks that succession is a drama. So he is approaching it that way. And then you have the stark contrast of Kiernan, like approaching it as a comedy and those two tones clashing, but also balancing and being harmonious in a weird way. I was like, this is why Succession is like the best show on television.
1: Yeah. And I do want to say that the, you know, I read in one of the post, uh, you know, post finale interviews with the writers and the directors that the scene where Kendall breaks down and tells his brother and sister that he killed this guy. Uh, they didn't tell Jeremy strong that they were going to bring these, they, they had the wait staff comes out of
0: oh, a building oh and
1: he loses. So they, that was an ambush. They surprised him oh. and that's what triggers the, like, and that's when he breaks down and like really lost it. And that's just to me, such a great example of why, You know, I mean, essentially why these people are clearly the best in the business, because like it's such a small thing, but they it sets everything off so perfectly. It was ridiculous.
0: Yeah, that is one of my favorite details of the episode. I mean, the whole episode is shot beautifully, but the whole time you're aware that we're building towards this moment where Ken's probably going to tell someone that he killed the waiter and or was present and did nothing during his death and the whole time the service staff is floating on the peripheral of every shot. So it's it's the climactic scene where he breaks down, the waiters come out back to take out the trash, but he also at one point like touches the arm of a guy who's like holding the the car door open for him. Like he's he's seeing like ghosts everywhere the yeah. whole episode. It's like truly all he can think about. Yeah, and you just have
1: known. I mean, like, Jesus, you start the episode off when people are like, oh, my God, he almost died. And, you know, we didn't know at the end of the previous episode if he was going to die. There was Mm. some ambiguity there. And it's just I didn't realize how badly I needed a show of terrible people and doing terrible things to each other. Uh, But I was really missing that. And now I'm just sad that I have to wait for them to make another season. And, you know worry about how omicron is gonna fuck that up
0: (laughs) although they sort of got around because they have a very small cast and they shoot in these like really gorgeous isolated areas so i think succession can be pretty like light and versatile and keep filming hopefully i like knock on wood yeah um well like having
1: having a budget bigger than like the gdp of small several small countries probably also helps like the you know the fact that it's a small cast in an extremely
0: hbo money like, hbo DVD.
1: show yeah
0: yeah for real so but it's been interesting because i'm sort of having deja vu when i was watching breaking bad mm-hmm. where there was this like toxic following of dude bros who thought walter white was like a hero <laughs> and, like. <laughs> Very much missed the writer's intention of, like, no, this is a bad man. That's why it's called Breaking Bad. He is now a bad person, and you're not supposed to root for him anymore. You can still root for Jesse. That's okay. But, like, Walter is gone. Walter is, like, very, very bad at this yeah. point. But um, watching people sort of be like, I'm a Shiv girl boss. And in this episode, like, Shiv ha- totally had the rug pulled out from under her feet. Because, again, she thinks she's way smarter than she actually is. And... What I loved about the episode is like when it ultimately comes down to it, the kids aren't even in the room where the like power decisions are being made. They have nothing. Yeah, They are like zero elements and they realize it this episode and it's just like you were stupid, occasionally sort of skilled but not really, inept ultimately People who uh, don't even have a play in in your fate, and they are just like it, that. Last shot really reminded me of the end of Godfather, where they are just like <laughs> the door closes, and it's like you're done. You're done. You're not even a part of this anymore.
1: Yeah, you can get as much, you can try as hard as you you want, you can you know hope as much as you want, but it's never going to happen because you actually aren't able. You don't, you're not smart enough to do this.
0: I wish people were able to sti- to distinguish between you think Sarah's pretty and you like her clothes versus you like Shiv, you know, Because yes. <laughs> it's like, Shiv's a bad person. See, they're all bad people. Like, you know, we all think Roman's funny, but Roman's like a Nazi collaborator. Like he's a bad person. And like separating, I am enjoying this performance. And these are funny moments from, I am rooting for this character. Cause I personally am not rooting for any of the Roy children.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not rooting for anyone in the show. Uh, and like, yeah. Lord knows I would never root for Roman the sex pest, but still. like <laughs> uh,
0: We got to talk about the Tom of it all. I, I know like. we do. We so really. I originally made this prediction early in the season that Tom was going to flip on the family and testify the, to the DOJ. And it turns out ultimately he did flip on the kids, but not in that way. He, he flipped in a worse way, which is he betrayed them to make a power move that benefited himself. And the, the end of that is just amazing. We're like, and again, Sarah's such a great actress. She was wonderful in that moment, but you can tell she's so, so hurt and betrayed and a little impressed. Mm hmm. Because it's like, yeah, that you would have done that. You have done that to Tom, that you were ready to send Tom to jail. Yeah. And you like, really
1: didn't want to hear him talk about it. Like <laughs> you're sort of like, oh yeah, it'll be fine. Whatever. You he don't. He was annoying you.
0: He was annoying you with his existential crisis. Cause your marriage is so amazing when she's doing the toast at the wedding. And she's like, may your marriage be as like wonderful as ours. It's like, oh my God. Oh, it's just like, oh, he's
1: going to like at some point he's going to get sick of being completely emasculated and humiliated by you and do the thing that like he he knows that he's never going to have an enormous amount of power. He knows that he's a worm. He knows that he is, you know, a little bit of a snake, but he's he doesn't need to have the top gig if he can managed to stay on you know stay on top of the people that are fucking him i mean that's the well there
0: was that great moment with him and greg where you know he says do you want to be the bottom of the top
1: yeah that was i thought that line was fantastic
0: and Uh, then greg has that bone chilling line where he says what good is a soul anyway who needs
1: souls boo souls and you know greg's blow up was terrifying terrifying
0: Um, and like uh to nicholas Braun's credit does it i mean he did a great job we're like cousin greg is carrying himself differently at the wedding because he has this injection of confidence because he might be a what a prince yeah
1: <laughs> some it? sort of like like a he would be some sort of duke but then he's, duke, yeah. he's, he's, he's this chick is eighth in line to the throne of luxembourg
0: <laughs> oh like oh my god oh and there's that line better you because roman might invade france <laughs> <laughs> which I was like, oh my God, true. Um, but yeah, he did a great job where it's like, oh yeah, cousin Greg is different now. Cause he's sort of like, you know, he's feeling himself and that is horrible. That's terrible. Cause these are bad, bad people. But I knew we had to talk about Tom. Cause somebody wrote in a while ago asking about Tom and Shiv's marriage. Um, and I forget what the question was specifically, but I think it was like, what do you think about Tom? Do you think they actually love each other? And it, Listen, nobody loves anyone in this show. No one's
1: capable on, of love on Nobody's this show. capable
0: because, like, only sociopaths reach this level of power. So they don't know how to love other people, and it's really painful to watch them. Like, when the, the siblings are trying to comfort Kendall, they don't even know how to touch him. Mm-hmm. It's so awkward watching them try to, like, comfort him, and it's like, oh, my God, these people are emotionally stunted yeah
1: i mean this is what like it's a show about abuse yes it's about money but it's also like this is what happens when you end up growing into an adult that has never experienced actual love
0: yeah and it's terrifying when they were they occasionally remind us of that like when logan flips and like starts screaming at them and it's like oh yeah these kids were just they were straight-up abused by him, but also their mother. Like, the scene where she says to Shiv, I should have just had dogs. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, brutal stuff. So, at the end of this episode, I feel like, for me, one of the the climactic moments of the, the series was when Kendall finally stood up to Logan and gave that speech where, you know, he called him a bully and a liar. For this season, I feel like that moment was Roman. <laughs> finally, finally in his own sort of meek weaselly way standing up to his father he finally does it and it doesn't fucking matter yeah and that was so gutting because it was like man he finally showed a little bit of courage and it was just like instantly gutted
1: brutal yeah absolutely brutal and yet i loved every second of it
0: so good um again if you aren't watching succession sorry we just ruined the finale for you but highly recommended check it out so i have other recommendations that fall under the theme of the apocalypse and toxic masculinity hey go for it okay so real quick i want to lightly recommend don't look up and the reason i'm lightly recommending it is i have notes i do have notes about it it's not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination, but I do want to give it points for attempting satire in 2021 about climate change. (laughs) Cause I feel like it's really hard to do satire about climate change and the way the media and the government are responding to climate change because it's difficult to exaggerate it enough beyond what's already happening. And, you know, Adam McKay did an admirable job and I almost said friend of the show, but can he still be friend of the show if he was a guest on my other show? Like, does friend of the show carry over to my new show?
1: <laughs> I think it does. I think okay, that we so, can use it in that context, yes. All
0: right. Friend of the show, Adam McKay, uh, does an admirable job um, trying to satirize what is happening uh, in our world right now. And the cast is just, I mean, everybody knows this, really stacked. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, it's going to be on Netflix on Christmas. And I really enjoyed it. I wish there had been 25% more jokes. Um, Which is odd given that,
1: you know, but it is the Adam McKay side now that he and, uh, now that he and Will Ferrell are no longer friends,
0: Uh I can understand
1: there being too few jokes as opposed to too many jokes that aren't very funny.
0: It makes me very (laughs) sad that they're beefing right now. I hope they make up one day. Um, Yeah, I, I imagine that he had... Uh, comics give the script a pass, but if that was the case, it should have gotten a couple more passes, just like punch it up with jokes. I don't know. I, I thought... I know he let the actors improvise a lot and there are some funny moments there as well. But yeah, I just wanted a little more humor, but I enjoyed it. There are really, really funny moments. Jonah Hill. I like I could see the moments where Jonah was improvising and he is just like a beast at improvising. So that was really nice. Apparently Meryl Streep is a fantastic improviser as well. So that's cool. Mm. Um, So, yeah, you know, you're going to be at home. Your family's driving you nuts. Put on Don't Look Up on fucking Netflix. Why not? Like there's a million great actors in it. It, There's something for every generation. I was texting Meredith when I was at the theater and I was like, it's so funny. I can tell what every generation is here for. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like the boomers are here for Meryl and it's like the Gen Xers and millennials are here for like Leo and, and J law and the, the zoomers are here for Timothy Chalamet. Like, it, and I was right. Like during the film, like when Timothy Chalamet came on screen, I had like, there was all this tittering from like <laughs> young girls and young boys around me where I was like, Oh, you're here for Timothy you your zoomers. That's adorable. So there's something for everybody. Right. So put that on. If you're bored during the holidays, Then, so I'm, again, I'm going to keep this light on the spoilers because it's brand new. Station 11 on HBO is fucking fantastic. And I'm shocked because it's about a pandemic. (laughs) It's like, you would think that would be the last thing in the world that I would want to watch right now or that anyone would want to watch. And the execution is so flawless and good that it manages to be highly entertaining,
1: I have not yet watched it, mostly because I feel like, again, I need somebody to watch it with. But in this case, not because I need uh, a crowd, but because I will need the emotional support.
0: And What's interesting about it is, yeah, certainly I think the first episode is tough because there's a lot of parallels to what actually happened to us especially if you lived in New York City during the pandemic, like there's a there's some scenes at a hospital that are really rough. Um, but the subsequent episodes, there's enough humor injected into the show that it's not like trying to get through a season of The Leftovers, where like that first season of The Leftovers, I felt like I was fighting for my life because it yeah. was so heavy and humorless. And then the writers figured out The Leftovers and they were like, oh, this can be like, a funny satire too. And then that show became amazing. They hit the ground running with station 11. They got the tone right immediately. It It's not that it's not heavy and it's not that it's not respectful because I think it's hugely respectful. I think it's a, a show that is filled with love and empathy. But it's it also finds these moments to be light and funny and like really just fun to watch. And that is what is so miraculous about it i think it's one of the best shows on tv and it's new which is so exciting it's like when you first found succession you know
1: Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) excuse me um i mean obviously like i adored the book i have been waiting for years for uh for this adaptation mostly because not because i thought it needed one but because it was just i was excited i wanted to live in the world i wanted a chance to revisit it and that um, it makes me very very happy that it's you know hitting right now and people seem to enjoy it or this seems to be good because if it were bad i just don't know if my emotions could take that and be like not only are we living through this fucking thing uh we like you can't even give me a good version of the fictional apocalypse come on i need i right. need better <laughs>
0: So that's those are my Apocalypse Rex and then uh, my Toxic Masculinity wrecks. I'll be quick because I want to get to your wrecks, Meredith, if you have any that I haven't hit. I yeah. Probably because I haven't listed anything that you've seen recently. And then I want to read some Patreon uh, questions, comments, recommendations. But quickly, I finally saw The Duel uh, and it is indeed great. And much like Power of the Dog, it too is about toxic masculinity and uh, men pretending that they're defending women's honor when in fact they're defending their egos and their property. Um, and obviously trigger warning for the duel because the entire thing is about a, a, a rape. So if that is a trigger for you, just know that like the rape is shown multiple times because we see everything from three perspectives. We see everything from Matt Damon's perspective. We see everything from Ben F Aff- or I'm sorry, um, Adam Driver's perspective. And we see everything from Jody's perspective. So uh, and then it's like trying to determine what's true from that So FYI and then I also saw The Tragedy of Macbeth at a screener recently and it is I'm just like stunned that it was made in 2021. I really want to like applaud everyone involved including A24 because I think it's really really admirable they made this kind of film um, because it is it's Shakespeare y'all it's the original text. I mean, it's visually stunning, but, like, I'm not going to lie. For the first 10 minutes, I did panic a little bit because, like, it's a different language, basically. <laughs> and then when once you're immersed in it long enough, you start to, like, pick up on what is happening. Yeah. Because um, I'm, I'm not fully, like, I'm not really, really familiar with Macbeth. As it was going on, I was like, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but... It's it's a little overwhelming at first, but the performances are incredible, especially from some of the supporting uh, cast members. And, yeah, the whole time I was just thinking, this is really brave that they made this because it's really smart. It's like um, an hour and a half long film, so it it moves along at a good clip. Yeah, and I've
1: seen Macbeth performed. It is not 90 minutes. So actually making the story uh, fit into a... like an actual consumable uh amount of time is fucking amazing
0: (laughs) and there's some very very cool interpretations of the text I think in particular the depiction of the weirding sisters the witches is done really really well it's fascinating how it's executed so I want to applaud them for that and yeah you know um I don't know anybody under 65 who is going to necessarily seek it out. I hope I'm wrong. Like, maybe maybe young kids will, I don't know, want to see it because Denzel hasn't done a movie in a minute. I, I'm trying to figure out why a 19-year-old would seek out the tragedy of Macbeth.
1: Uh, because they're a nerd within, like, in an English degree program i mean yeah that's I really think-
0: all i can imagine like if you're really really into shakespeare and i'm not saying that young people there aren't young people who are interested in shakespeare but watching it i was just like this is really ballsy because this is not the market that most films are going for and they just wanted to do it because when francis mcdormand and denzel washington and is it joel cohen Yes. Um, I always screw up the cone brothers. Sorry, sorry. Uh, the one that Francis McDormand is married to. <laughs> <laughs> when those three are like, yeah, we're going to do it, any studio in the world with half a brain would be like, well, we'll fund it, obviously. Of course. And twenty a- four, this is their jam. They love weird niche stuff like this. That's their market. So I'm really, really glad that film exists, is yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, Joel Cohen
1: walking in saying, look, it's going to be my wife. It's going to be in black and white. And I've got a really dope way to do The Witches. I'm A24 of course is going to say like we're so yeah. give it to Hell us. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. They're like I um, mean their stock and trade is very much like new takes on witches. So
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I love it. Every single time I'm like another interpretation of a witch, I'm there. So Meredith, do you have any recommendations?
1: Uh I have uh, the the so first I'm going to recommend The Medium on which is on Shutter of course, you know, got to get my horror in. Uh, it is Thai and it is a, uh, you know, it's a faux documentary, but it's not shot like found footage, which is nice. And it's long and a very slow burn, but man, does it get to a really crazy denouement. So it's exorcisms, uh, possession, uh, and, uh, you know, shaman, and it's just fantastic. I don't want to say too much, but it does start to, it actually like casts a pretty fascinating spell. Um, I also want to recommend something I have recommended before, but because I'm rewatching it and it seems like we're all going to have some time on our hands again. Uh, God, I have been watching dark
0: again, oh yeah I've been meaning to revisit it because like I again fighting for my life watching dark to understand what is happening yeah in like the best possible way because it's, it's it I, is like
1: incredibly the, complicated oh my and, god but
0: also the structure is immaculate like they are not they're not cutting corners or anything like everything is deliberately plotted it's all there it's just incredibly dense so I know I need to revisit it
1: yeah and I realized so I've, I have somebody that I would said you know Okay, it's super German and it's time travel and weird. and they skip
0: over the Nazis. <laughs>
1: yeah, and there's not Nazis. And <laughs> I was like, but as soon as I I got through German time travel and and my friend was like, I'm sold. Uh yeah. but actually this like I keep telling myself maybe this time I'll actually re- like be able to fully understand what's going on uh because it continues to just like Occasionally, feel like I've got all of the strings, and then suddenly it slips out of my grasp. It feels like so keeping track of it sometimes feels like I'm doing an incredibly complicated bit of knitting, yeah, um, which is really frustrating, but also kind of funny because, like, oh, okay. Uh, And I have another. uh, I have another recommendation for a book called. uh, It's an independent novel called traffic uh by ricky du and i got it at my uh local queer bookstore uh and it was described as a glittery glittery queer space opera and it. it is really really blowing my mind it's super short uh and i will just read can i just quickly read the Back jacket copy? Yes, because... you
0: can.
1: Oh, thank you. Quiver, a mostly human astronaut, takes refuge from the monotony of harvesting minerals on remote asteroids by running through a virtual reality called the Lights, chasing visions of an elusive red-haired beauty. Her high-strong robot partner, Mick, pilots their wobble and entertains himself by surfing records of the obliterated planet Earth stored on his Swift wheel for Al Pacino trivia, recipes for reconstituted sushi, and high fashion trends but when an accident destroys their cargo quiver and might go rogue setting off on a madcap journey through outer space towards an idyllic destination the planet traffic uh it's well, so that fun sounds
0: amazing
1: <laughs> i Love highly it. recommend it lots of fun um and it's definitely like not highly on on the radar so you'd be helping a independent small smaller time author uh if you pick it up and read it
0: so I, I realize whenever anybody makes a book recommendation on the show, I never tell people what I'm reading because I forget uh, reading is valuable. <laughs> That's not true. I don't know why I don't recommend books. But I also have a recommendation. I'm reading a book called A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tales. Um It's about a count – uh, in who is living in russia in 1922 and he is sentenced to life in a fancy hotel once the Bolsheviks take over and it is fascinating it's about this dude who basically sees the before the revolution russia and then the after the revolution russia and you see the world through his eyes and it is it's really interesting it flies by when you when you get the book it looks so thick you're like god damn it but the writing is so excellent That I'm like already like two thirds of the way through and I'm like, where did the time go? So that's my reading recommendation. Oh, by the way, everybody, I forgot to mention this at the top of the show um this is the last episode of 2021 i'll be back after the holidays but i gotta go do some family stuff so last episode of the year and i also wanted to thank courtney who's a new member of the show um thank you so much for supporting i really really appreciate it um so having said that i wanted to get into some patreon um Questions and comments and recommendations. Look, is this episode gonna be a little long? Yeah, deal with it. It's the last one of the year, okay? We gotta fit a lot in. <laughs> we're gonna fit so much in because I gotta fly through this. So uh, Brian writes um they have uh a pair of novels that they want to recommend by noted author of comedic erotica, Chuck. Tingle, Oh, the
1: the god, Chuck Tingle.
0: <laughs> he has two full-length novels in the trans wizard Harriet Porber series, and I would be more than happy for there to be more. Um, if you're okay with explicit but consensual sex in fiction, these books are more than their titles might suggest. Reading the first book, in fact... I got so into the characters and the humor, I actually managed to forget for a moment. I was reading an erotica novel right up to the moment an anthropomorphic trans-mask dinosaur was getting a blowy. Wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, yep. What
0: more can you, what more can you ask for? Um, buh, 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 buh. Sorry, everybody. I'm going to be uh, truncating these. So John writes in, uh, oh, I gave John the advice about coming to NYC. He says, thanks for the belated advice on the show. I'm back from New York, had a great time, really enjoyed the Knicks versus Rockets game. Um, Sorry, John, I'm not going to read about the game. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, it sounds like the trip was great. Penn Station is a bit of a scary labyrinth. It is, John. That's not just you. But the signage is well marked and I was able to find my way. Great. Uh, yeah, it sounds like I'd like to come back someday, but at least for now, I have a lot of cool memories of my time in New York. Until I can, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Mark writes in for those who are concerned with post-injection events. I'm trying not to say side effects of getting the COVID vaccine. I'd like to share our family's experience. Very short version. Thank you, Mark. Um, we're fine. Go get it if you haven't. For the record, we got we all got Pfizer. Longer version, uh, me, 33, cis male. First shot, normal injection soreness. Second shot, totally fine, except that my arm the next day was so sore, I couldn't use it. That was my experience, except that was for the first shot. I'm not going to lie. I couldn't raise my arm. And, and I had uh, a lot of swelling under my arm, but I am told that is just my immune system. Like, that's a good sign. My immune system was reacting to the vaccine
1: yeah that
0: Um, does sound right so so yeah uh basically mark's saying uh all good um yeah great great to hear it uh great to hear the family's doing well and then mark also had a podcast recommendation it's called chasing immortality each episode focuses on a person who did something to attempt to live forever in some fashion oh that sounds really interesting It's a new podcast, so there's only six episodes. Mark, thank you. That sounds really, really cool. And uh, again, sorry, everybody, if I flew through that. I wanted to fit everybody in before the end of the year. And um, can I just ask, can I make a personal ask of the audience, um, where are my ladies at? I feel like I haven't had a recommendation or a comment from a lady in a while. And, um, you know, get noisy in the comments section no disrespect to anybody who's a regular commenter, but where are my ladies at? <laughs> <laughs> Probably thinking that your recommendations are stupid and I don't want to hear them. That's not the case. Please, I want to hear from you. Uh, it's been a little dude heavy. No no offense to anybody who's a regular commenter, but I just noticed that and I want to be balanced. I want to be balanced. Also, I don't want to assume anyone's gender, but um, yeah, I think it, it definitely has skewed masculine in the comment section. So also... Um, If you ever want me to to use pronouns, specific pronouns, just put that at the top of the message so I know, oh, what's going on? So thank you to everybody who has written in and continues to support the show. I really appreciate it. I guess let's get to our fucking bad news.
1: We just have to do it.
0: So, I mean, obviously top of mind, especially here in New York City right now, is Omnicrom. It it does feel very much like March 2020 all over again. Um, Theaters are canceling their shows, they're closing, and they're very much like, we'll see you in 2022, and it's like, will we... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it does feel like the city's shutting down again and that is really uh scary and awful and you know i nothing's going to be the first wave again i hope god knock on wood because like we understand covid better now how to treat it there are more medicines available so i don't think we're going to go back to full march 2020 but i am getting deja vu and um Keep in mind, we're all fucking traumatized in New York City, and to see signs of it happening again is, uh, it does not feel good. Yeah.
1: I will say, I have been in close contact with a friend of mine who is an epidemiologist. So, and she has been saying, if you are, if you've gotten all the shots, you've been triple vaxxed, you shouldn't freak the fuck out. Right. It is, oh, like, you, Definitely be cautious, like, be considerate, be careful, but uh, your your risk factors in environments with people who are also vaccinated are, like, you don't need to, like, completely cut out human contact.
0: Um, Yeah. And I will say, too, like, in New York City, you should definitely be uh, triple vaxxed in in any crowded city. Anywhere. Anywhere. You should be triple vaxxed if you can get the booster, too. And don't forget to get your flu shot. Right. Also, on top of that, because there's been a couple moments. And I I get regularly tested. I live on the same uh, street as a rapid testing clinic. Oh, wait. So much. I know. Like, I have to say. There's not a lot of convenient things in my area, but that is so convenient that I use it like all the time, especially if I've, you know, been in a crowded theater and I'm going to like meet up with friends. I'll go get tested, you know, and I, I know there's like flaws with the rapid testing, but it's better than nothing. Um, but I forget where I was going with that, but yeah, I get tested regularly, um, (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up. Yeah. Everybody get boosted if you can get boosted.
1: Yeah. And obviously, uh, I'm when I say that we don't need to worry as much, that doesn't mean, you know, I'm not talking about anyone who has, uh, you know, concerns, you know, has immune issues or mm-hmm. is, you know, has someone in their life that is high risk or has small children. Obviously, it's still really important, but the, you know, I have been told it's been hit. I've been hit in the head with this over and over again for the last couple of days. Yes, it's a spike. Yes, we have to be careful, but it's not like it was.
0: It's not, but at the same time, it's indicative of a a failure, like a really, really bad failure by the uh, previous administration, which just fear mongered and spread misinformation. So now there is a huge spike in rural red communities who either thought the pandemic was fake or that the vaccine was going to implant a microchip into that i don't know whatever fucking weird shit that they were spoon-fed by like radio show hosts and now we are in the third wave of this thing and part of that is like the the it's mutating which yeah you know is nobody's fault but had everybody been triple vaxxed you know, it, it wouldn't have been as big of an issue.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and obviously the larger and like terrifying problem is that once again, people who desperately need medical care are not necessarily able to get that because there are, you know, COVID has and these cases are now meaning that they there just isn't space for people. So that's that to me is is really terrifying. It's definitely happening here in Wisconsin um and you know and michigan and ohio and so i've been seeing a lot of stories about small hospitals like having to send patients really far out of state like driving an hour to the airport to fly someone to cleveland and that that stuff's terrifying and that's that's really scary unfortunately it is also that is the fault of the the unvaccinated and the anti right. because those are the people that are being hospitalized. If we had fewer unvaccinated people, we would have fewer hospitalizations, which means the healthcare system wouldn't be quite as strained.
0: Yeah. And you hear heartbreaking stories about like husbands basically threatening their wives and children not to get it. And then they all get COVID. And it's like, well, that's abuse. That's actually abuse what you did. Yeah. Um. So that's horrible (laughs) you're a bad you're a bad person and you're abusive to your kids and wife um so speaking of we you know previously in the recommendations we're talking about climate change i wanted to talk about that huge supercell storm that just broke out in the midwest in which we saw a quad state tornado which i believe has never happened before I might be wrong about that. There might have been a tornado that's gone through four states before, but it broke some kind of record. Like something happened that's never happened before, (laughs) which we continually see now with climate change. It feels like every day another terrible record has been set with with some kind of uh, statistic. But I wanted to talk about specifically um, the Amazon workers in Edwardsville, Illinois, who uh, died during the storm. Six of them, six workers were killed. And details started to emerge thereafter about uh, how they were told by Amazon that they couldn't leave uh, work, that they had to stay put. So Amazon is trying to um, say that that was a safety thing, that they didn't want people driving around during the storm. But Some of the loved ones of the workers are saying that this happened um, well before (laughs) the storm actually hit that they would have had time to leave the warehouse. And there was a horrifying detail about one of the workers, Larry Verdon, who texted uh, his girlfriend. He texted, Amazon won't let us leave. And he was killed during the storm and he leaves behind four children and it's, it's just one of those stories that's like a, um, a horrible combination of stories that we cover a lot on this show, which is like capitalism run amok. I shouldn't even say run amok, just capitalism being capitalism and climate change. And they're not mutually exclusive, right? Like capitalism is fueling climate change um, and Amazon is a an emblem of the, the horror of capitalism. And this is always the result, poor yeah. workers dying.
1: Well, and, and let's not forget the dozens of workers who were killed when the candle factory in Illinois uh, was obliterated. Right. Uh, and they had also been told that they would be fired. They would lose their jobs if they left. Um, I mean, can you imagine making fucking sen- You're in a place making $8 an hour, making scented candles, like christmas candles and you're expected to die for that
0: yeah and that was at least 70 yeah i think it was 74 people wild like so and again we see this a lot with like um mining disasters right like somebody should go to jail (laughs) yeah and and they won't because I almost said we, but the, the justice system accepts when 70 people are dead. If a corporation or a company is responsible for it, that's not murder. If they cut safety standards, if they force their workers to stay working and the, they were killed, that's not murder. But if I shoot somebody, that's murder. And it's like, why? Why are those two things different?
1: Yeah, it is the the. Uh, to learn, it, use a term that I learned from watching too much Law and Order as a teenager. It's the depraved indifference to human life mm-hmm. that you know. It's just, and the fact that we've created a system that makes it impossible to hold those, like hold people who make those decisions accountable. Uh, which is 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 horrible um although i guess we will be able to talk about one instance where that seems like it might happen a little bit uh in the good news section but
0: meredith you you just handed me my segway Ooh, i love it it's that time of the show (gasps) let's all jump up and down here's your good news yay um our good news story is about a judge in the U.S who has um ruled that uh they basically they overturned a 4.5 billion dollar settlement that shielded the Sackler family um from these charges that they caused the opi- opioid epidemic basically um So this is good news because the Sacklers were basically like, you can't sue us um, because of this decision. And this judge was like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, and threw it out. So that is obviously good news because what Mm -hmm. absolutely everyone has wanted in this situation is what we were just talking about. Why can the Sacklers make billions of dollars killing people and walk away? Like, that is crazy. Yeah.
1: Um, You know, I and that uh, it's not I don't think it's it's certainly not a surprise to me that the person, the judge who made this decision uh, is a judge from the Southern District of New York, which is also uh, the court that has gone after Donald Trump very vigorously Mm -hmm. tends to be extremely I don't want to say liberal because that is sort of a stupid way to put it, but has been behind a lot of decisions that have led to um, positive outcomes in terms of undoing some really serious malfeasance. Uh, and I'm sorry if Purdue Pharma wants to go into bankruptcy so that they can reorganize and deal, you know, and try and avoid getting fucked for uh, providing, you know, creating and then selling the drug that has created a massive fucking problem. Uh The family shouldn't be able to piggyback off of that. Uh, And, you know, that they that they really thought and I and I guess like probably correctly, you know, in most situations, given how uh, everyone responsible for the financial crash of 2008 uh, managed to survive and basically said, yes, we will pay this. We'll pay whatever billions of dollars but in exchange for not getting criminally prosecuted. And also we don't have to admit any wrongdoing. Um, So there's, you know, reasons for them to have believed that if they said, okay, well, how much money can we give you to make this go away?
0: Every other indication that rich people can do whatever the fuck they want in this country. Like it's very reasonable that the Sacklers were like, yeah, but we're not going to get in like trouble, trouble, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, we can more or less walk away from this. What do you want, like, one mil, two mil? We'll still have billions of dollars at our disposal. I And honestly, sadly, I think the only reason that they might get scathed a little bit is they ended up killing mostly white people, poor white people, and had their victims been a majority of, of people of color... I don't know if the backlash would have been as big, but the opioid crisis hit poor white America the hardest.
1: Yeah. Um, And I'm just, you know, quickly reading through something. You know, they say, uh, you know, also the judge mentioned there uh, over a decade or so, uh, there were uh, 10 billion dollars of Purdue money that was distributed to the Sacklers uh, in the period preceding the bankruptcy filing. Uh, saying, hmm, uh, may, it's a little bit odd that you might have taken this money and put it into, you know, taking it out of, of Purdue because that could have been money that might have gone away in litig- like, litigation. So why did you take it away? <laughs> uh, and why is it sitting in your
0: bank account right now? Where where, where the money at? Yeah, where, what? where the money at? Yeah.
1: Um, You know, that's like just a perfectly normal thing that you do uh, when you've created a drug that's responsible for the death of at least 500,000 people.
0: You know, when (sighs) you find yourself being a mass murderer and you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, I got to shield my millions of dollars. You know, we've all been there. Um, mm-hmm. so also in good news, the FDA has eliminated a key restriction on abortion pills, um, which is obviously huge because the Supreme court is about to decide on Roe v. Wade and it does not look good, everybody. So, uh, we've, we've talked about abortion pills on this show. I believe we did so, uh, last episode, mm-hmm. but this is, this is good news because, you know, it... Abortion pills are an alternative um, and, an, and an increasingly valuable alternative if Roe v. Wade is overturned. So this is like one small uh, bit of good news in in the storm.
1: Yeah. Being able to get pills by mail will help people and it will allow it will allow. Thousands of people an opportunity That. They will need more than ever, and obviously it's not as it's not a full replacement for actual access to safe abortion uh throughout pregnancy, but uh it is a safe and medically sound uh drug regimen that is just we just need it if there's gonna be clinics shutting down. <laughs>
0: I was just Googling. I was trying to see if abortion pills, I know they do, but what the expiration date is because.
1: Uh, They, uh, one of the drugs is good for five years and the other is good for up to two years.
0: So, yeah, I mean like one of the, the good things about abortion pills is they are reasonably affordable, but they could still be prohibitively expensive to poor people. So if anyone out there is inclined, an option is you could, purchase abortion pills and hold them for people and then you could mail them to anyone who needs them. So um, FYI, that is an option as well. Uh, You know, I I foresee that there's going to be some kind of social networking thing going on where maybe people will be looking for abortion pills and if there are trusted providers out there who have hoarded some pills, (laughs) um, that could potentially be good as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So where are we at? Where are we at? Okay. Finally, in in good news, man, we didn't get to so much. That's okay. That's okay, everybody. I was I was going to say we could rant at length about Chris Noth, but ran out of time about that. Oh. Let's just say, fuck Chris Noth. Yeah. Uh, fuck
1: that guy. And, uh, you know, as much as it, there's. Just I just wanted I just need to say one thing. It sucks so hard as someone who lived in New York during the early aughts, like moved there right after Sex in the City finished. Uh, it sucks so incredibly hard that literally basically the second I got there, I became, you know, I knew and was aware through just osmosis that this guy was around and he was yeah. hitting on everyone. yeah and it was
0: was, like very very pushy about it
1: yeah like it was just common knowledge if you were a woman that he was not a safe person to be around yeah and except like of course that doesn't matter because people don't take this shit seriously and i'm just of course it's infuriating to be like we all knew this where have you been
0: (laughs) And whenever I say that on any kind of platform, there is inevitably people who are like, well, if you knew about it, why didn't you like make more noise about it? First of all, I can't tell you how many guys I know something like this about, including celebrities. They will sue you (laughs) if you say anything. So it's like like Army Hammers, another example of that people who knew knew years ahead of like any like there were you know rumblings about uh him being uh really really aggressive in a scary way at sex parties right like mm-hmm. and this was just like a whisper network of women warning other women Chris Noth same deal there was a whisper network of of people if you were at a bar and Chris Noth came in being like stay away from him because it like it gets creepy. Um, that's not something I can go on a, like a platform and be like, Chris Noth is a criminal, (laughs) you know, like I will get sued. So that is the reason that it takes so long for shit like this to come out that combined with like, you know. Nobody believes women when, like, women are like this man. And it should be said too: Chris Noth is a violent rapist. It's not just that he was like pushy when hitting on people. There are now multiple allegations from women that he is a violent race- rapist. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I guess we could put that in the good news section, in that he has finally been outed. Just <laughs> then.
1: Yeah. Well, and not to be glib it did shut down everybody talking about him dying on a peloton
0: okay so here is my question and this is a serious question that i'm asking to the audience at large do you think the writers caught wind of these allegations and that they were going to be made public uh very soon and they were like we got to kill him off (laughs) That's I, my theory. That's my conspiracy theory. I love
1: your conspiracy theories. They're glorious. Um, I don't know. I feel like they probably were just that like, they, that his hard living had not lent like not left him a particularly credible like uh, hunky sort of dude, and nobody wants to see Carrie just like being married. So of course they were going yeah, to have to kill boring. him off because how do you do right. it? But. Uh, I think also, hey, this man's a creep. Let's just spend as little time as possible with him is also, yeah, that's certainly plausible.
0: I could also see him just being a pill, like, oh, I'll come back for a little bit, but I don't want to be in the whole thing. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but my conspiracy theory is that they were like, we got to kill him. He's a creep. Um, and then finally, I'm putting this in the good news section, and I got to shout out, Meredith, because you sent it to me. The story of Jorts, the cat. Oh. Bless Center. Jorts. <laughs> I'm not going to read it in its entirety. I'll link to it, but it is a viral sensation. It is a, a post at Am I the Asshole on Reddit. And it is a story about Jorts the cat and these volunteers who work at a cat shelter and how Jorts was, um, you know, singled out for being, I don't know a nice way to say this, kind of slow. And uh, how one of the employees um, perhaps over-enthusiastically came to Jorts' defense. Is that a good summation? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Um, And accused someone of talking about Jorts as perpetuating ethnic stereotypes. It is a wild ride, everybody. It is a wild ride. Um, Margarine is involved in uh, the best way possible, (laughs) go check it out. And uh, yeah. justice for Jorts.
1: Yeah. Oh, and fun thing that was pointed out by uh, my friend, Jacob Bremis, who's a uh, labor historian and uh, and professor. Uh, the person who wrote the story and is, uh, you know, Jorts staunch defender and and friend, vocally uh, pro union.
0: Yes. Yeah. So it, you can feel good about this viral story is what yeah. you are saying.
1: Yeah. This is a you know, this is a this is a person who's coming at it from a very good angle and who recognizes that a good workplace is one that appreciates what all of their workers bring to the table, even if some of them have different skill sets and recognizes that they should be protected and appreciated and given the respect that they deserve.
0: Well said. Everybody, please follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L. Clark. Meredith, anything to promote or plug? Uh, not right now other than,
1: uh, yeah, I hope everyone has a good end of the year and yeah. good holidays if they are celebrating
0: Yes. And we will be back in the new year. Meredith and I are going to do our annual Oscar predictions, all of that stuff. But yeah, have a wonderful holiday season. I hope you have a great rest of your year. And I'm so excited to be back in 2022. Hopefully, God, uh, hopefully it'll be a good year. It'll be a good year because we'll all be together, right?
1: That's, That's what I'm hoping.
0: Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And while you're at it, if you're triple vaxxed and get your flu vaccine as well, get out there and cause a little trouble.